0: Approaching these anniversaries can be tough and one of the hallmarks of the program was that um, we did integrate um, mental health component into the physical health program and and in fact it's, it's part of the program. Our goal is to make sure that care is seamless and make sure we diagnose any World Trade Center health problems and get people into the best care they can get.
1: I'm Rob Hoyle, welcoming you back to Northwell Health's 20-minute health talk, where we're picking up on part two of our conversation with 9/11 first responders Eddie Reyes and Scott Strauss, as well as the director of Northwell's Queens World Trade Center program, Dr. Jackie Moline. I think Scott, you just mentioned, uh, you know, 20 years seems like yesterday. I, I would assume for you guys, the, the the images and and are still so fresh. Um, what's it like each time we come up to an anniversary, especially like a big one, like um, the 20-year anniversary?
2: Uh, it, it's painful. Uh, you know, you're this. The wound never heals. Uh, they say that time heals all wounds. That's a lie. Um, it doesn't make it any easier. Um, it's painful, and certainly the bigger anniversaries, you know, the, the, the hallmarks, the, the 10, the 15, 20, the 25s that people make a big deal out of, aren't any more significant than year 19 or 18 or 22. Um, the sad part is that uh, more and more people will pass away from the effects of 9-11, um, and it's just a reality that we have to deal with. Eddie, what's it like for you 20 years later?
3: It's like, um, it's like a year later, and, and again, uh, we're just kind of saying kind of the same thing, Scott, is that uh, no matter how many years pass, and, and, and when we did the side-by-side, I was like, all right, how, how am I going to be? You know, How am I going to be at the 15-year? How am I going to be at the 10-year? How was I going to be <laughs> the day that it was open to the first responders uh, when they first opened the site? And you question yourself, and you go, "All right, I I, I got a handle on this, and uh, uh, I have to really make sure everybody understands that you don't forget." And uh, it's very hard; it really is. And uh, as as much as, and people, and when we go to a world Center, I want to add this uh, again: give kudos to the the group of the WTC group, that they always want to make sure that not only are you physically, I mean, medically okay. Uh, but mentally also. So they have that component built into that too. And, and I've, uh, Dr. Pauline. and I've always, you know, we always say, I'm okay. We always do the medical, we do the, you know, they do the PFD, they, they put me through the mill, they, I get out of there, I'm very tired. Um, And then at the end they go, well, do you want to talk? And the answer is always for me is no. And, um, because I really don't have anything to say, um, that's that's going to be fruitful. Because um, I'm sure they've heard about it. They heard a lot of stories. Um, I think Scott kind of hit it already. I think it's something we're always going to we're always going to be melancholy about uh, whether we're we're fifty, fifty eight, fifty nine, or seventy years old, eighty. We're always going to think about it, and no matter if it's twenty, thirty, forty years later, um, I think we're still going to have those memories, and. We're probably gonna have the memories of the guys we lost.
2: Yeah, the things we did, the things we saw, will haunt us forever.
3: Yeah,
2: and I think what you said.
1: Before is so true. You, you know, you, you you have this a special appreciation for sure. life because you say, you know, I'm here still, yeah. and I still get to see my yeah. families, and I guess that's even more important for you to push for your friends, you know, sure. to be checked out because each, each
2: year is a gift, right? Mm-hmm. Every day is a gift.
0: And and Eddie, next time you go, I I do want you to go and uh, and maybe we'll make sure that it's at the beginning of your visit that (laughs) you find somebody just check out because you'll you'll find that you like our person. She's actually a former cop, so you know she's really easy to talk to. But that does raise a point. You know, one of the hallmarks of the program was that um, we. We did integrate um, mental health component into the physical health program, and and in fact, it's it's part of the program. It's not like oh, if you want, uh, you know, for folks like Eddie who've been going year after year after year, um, there's still questionnaires everyone fills out, and and there if there are trigger points, and you're not given an option of whether you see somebody, you 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 are evaluated. But what we did very early on, especially in the first, you know as it was just being set up is we, we integrated um, social workers in the program. And it was a station just like the breathing tests where you just went there and it was, there was no stigma associated with it. And, and, you know, I think as we look back and, and how things might have changed a little bit, um, you know, just we've, we've had the 2020 Olympics just now with a, even though it's 2021, and there's been a far greater focus on the integration of physical and mental health in, in our elite athletes. Well, these were our elite responders, and these were our, uh, you know, elite everything, regardless of whether you were uh, a traditional first responder or whatever, and and we need to make sure that the mental health concerns are um, dealt with in the same way that we're worrying about cancer, um, and and the programs have been set up so that we do do that. And I think it's it's really something that we um, we're we're proud that has been a, a part of the program. But it's also critical for people to realize that you know approaching these anniversaries can be tough, and to to seek out care if you if you are finding it a little more challenging.
1: Yeah, and I would assume it, it's very helpful just to be able to to talk. Talk about it. Have somebody listen, or also be with somebody who is there, know,
3: right? Yeah. Feeling Went the same. through it, yeah. right? It was there, just like you guys have the opportunity, Doc. At the end, it's there, um, and I think it's still a. a and <laughs> it's funny you say the Olympics. Me and my wife were talking about it too, about the mental health of of all these 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 professionals. Um, and Doc, thank you for saying that we're also professionals. Um, and we, we took our job very seriously. And uh, uh, I, I never thought of us as professionals. I, I just thought of myself as a public servant um, who went to school, got trained, and was able to do things that uh, the city of New York allowed us to do. I uh, didn't think I was any, any special, more special than anybody else. So thank you for saying that. That was, uh, that was very, very nice.
1: Yeah, what's the, uh, Eddie, what's this medallion that you have yeah, right here? Uh, yeah, yeah. You show
3: Dr. Molina. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, here, Dr. Molina, if you can see this.
3: Oh cool. It's um uh, my son gave that to me not so long ago, uh, actually this week and um I, it's a limited number. If you look at the uh, this, that's a three-dimensional coin. You have the two sides and then the the side of it and it's it's uh, not only 911 were made. Wow.
1: It, you know I said like i was saying it was such, it was so hard to comprehend for me i was my wife was pregnant with our first child, and I was thinking like, what a time to be bringing a, a
2: kid into this world like what's going like is this going to be normal like is you know whatever but when it just, when we were on the pile uh, which it was called a trade center for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then it morphed into the pile and then it morphed into ground zero um, but when we were at the trade center, you know uh, certainly on nine eleven and digging through the rubble and trying to find people. Um, we were hearing fighter jets fly over us All right, and we had no idea what they were who they were we didn't know if it was another country attacking us still Uh, we didn't know if they were ours you know many folks had the opportunity to be watching this on TV and we were digging and we were searching and climbing around you're hearing these fighter jets screaming overhead and you're like oh what the hell's going on here you know and
3: And then the the gunfire yeah they were were saying uh, incoming incoming and uh, you you hear that from all over the pile. So, you know, you try, where are you, you going to go? Right. Where are we going? I, we just kind of stayed there. And then you
0: guys had to evacuate at five o'clock when seven
3: fell. Yeah. Yes. When what happened?
2: When building seven came down, we oh, right. left at yeah. five yeah. o'clock. Yeah. Uh, they pulled yeah. us off the pile, the rescue effort, and then uh, we went back in and uh, later on that evening and yeah. started searching again, you know, just to regroup to see if we lost anybody else.
3: And there was another scare. The building literally <laughs> right across, I forget the name of the building, where we were using it for rehab and basically just lay down on the floor in the lobby. And um, the engineers had a spotting, some type of spotting mechanism to see if the buildings were moving and stuff like that. And they and they rang the bell three times, you know, the horn, and, and they started yelling the buildings on the floor. It started to shift. Um, again, all, all I know is that we were looking. We were climbing over each other to get out from that building. So that was, and you know, there was a so, c- couple of those. The Amex building across the way. You know, everybody's looking at all the components outside because of the, of that of that tub, and the, and you know, everybody thought the co- the tub was compromised. But is that going to cause the exterior buildings to also be compromised? So every building was being looked at. So every time anything little, know, <laughs> was hairline right. airline it's... move, they they used to blow horns and stuff like that. <laughs> People. To, like, <laughs> Run out of there. <laughs> so it was pretty, pretty intense. Pretty intense.
1: Yeah, I think you know after that day, and for for us who were watching on TV, we were like, how how do we go on? How does this world? go on after this it was such a dark day but out of that dark day there was so much hope there's the way everybody came together on that pile and worked and it didn't matter what your political beliefs were everybody was out there for for the common good and you know it was american
2: americans at their finest yeah. there's a saying that um, uh, nobody wants another 911 but everybody'll take a 912 you know, because of the patriotism, yes. because of the support, and you know, Rob, you called Eddie and I heroes. Um, in my opinion, we're not heroes. Uh, we were doing our job. We were doing what we had to do, and what we needed to do. Um, in my opinion, there's there's there are two groups of heroes, though. One are the families uh, that had to continue on mm-hmm. with their life when yes. they have lost a loved one down at the Trade Center or at the Pentagon or in Pennsylvania, and the other group is the massive amount of civilians who pitched in, whether they volunteered at the, those sites or Absolutely. the school kids who are now in their mid-20s oh yes. to 30s uh, who wrote letters, letters. cards, uh, and, and the people who ran clothing and equipment drives uh, around the community, around the country, and mm-hmm. sent it to the, either the Pentagon or, or to us in New York. Uh, those are the heroes because they didn't have to do it. You know, uh, it, what we right. did, Eddie and I and our teams and the firefighters and the EMS workers and the Port Authority police officers and the court officers and, and the federal uh, agents that were there, everybody that was kind of our job is to get into that mix. You know we run towards that stuff. They didn't have to, but they did. and the rest of the community and the rest of the country and to have the support of the, of the country around behind us made a tremendous amount of difference those
3: are the heroes right? yeah
2: and, and how we operated and got through that day and those months and those weeks afterwards uh, they are the true heroes
3: the guys that made the sauce that made the pizza yeah
2: uh, well i i think you I, got I a, think some of us differ a little bit on that uh-huh. <laughs> i think that you
0: guys are selling yourself a little short because you know most people have a tour and meaning that you have a shift and i bet that your shift went a little long for about a for a few months. And that wasn't technically what you needed to do. It's what you felt you needed to do. So in our eyes that, yeah, your job was to rescue and and go in there, but you also went above and beyond. So in my mind, both of you and and all your, uh, your colleagues are heroes as well.
1: Yeah. And I think just, uh, you know, you're continuing your heroism by getting the word out and getting people the care and letting them know that there's care and there's support for them and their families. Um, Jackie, everybody remembers where they were. I guess we'll never forget where we were that day. Where were you on September 11th, 2001?
0: I had just finished a um, five day, 400 mile bike ride for a charity. And I was picking up my bike on Delancey Street. So, which is you know about a mile and a half from the trade center, so we could actually hear the planes and we could see the planes coming in. And um, so I I went back home, uh, got my bike, went back home, and then was actually called into the hospital. And um, at that point, the only way I could get to the hospital was to get back on that bike um, to ride the five miles to my office. But um, and then we went back to the office and and really. Um, it, it was a feeling of helplessness. Um, I actually stopped before I got called in. I live not far from the old St. Vincent's and now our new emergency department in, in um, Greenwich Village and and um, offered to provide care, you know, emergency care if they needed folks at St. Vincent's and then saw the line of people around the corner um, offering to give blood. So it was really um, we did what we could, but that's where I was.
3: Right. You rode your bike, mm-hmm. and you call us heroes? <sighs> In Manhattan, no less, rolling bike after
2: a yeah. 500-mile tour. Yeah. Are
3: you kidding me? That's <laughs> great. Wow. That's great, Doc.
1: How did COVID impact first responders?
3: Some guys were extremely, extremely nervous, Um because they, they they felt they were already behind the eight ball, and to get COVID would have would have been now the death sentence for them. Um, and and I got I got some guys um, I got some guys not I, actually I, I did vaccinate some guys, and some guys I got appointments to get vaccinated, but they were definitely definitely and this is what I got on the phone calls they were definitely afraid to to get the COVID virus because they they felt that there was there was that would be the end that would be immediately the end.
2: Yeah, that's that's the truth, Eddie. Uh, I know that flashed through my mind. I had a, I had a close scare of getting COVID. Um, it turned out to be a 24-hour bug, but I was with somebody who had uh, a confirmed case of COVID for a, a, a full day. And then two days later, he calls. I started to feel sick, and I didn't put two and two together. And then the following day after that, I was told by him that uh, he tested positive for COVID, and I was like, oof. This is not going to be good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I already got some medical breathing issues. And uh, like you said, it could have been a death sentence. And I was, thankfully, it, I, it wasn't that. It was a 24-hour bug that I had. But the timing was incredible and uh, very concerning to say, you know, all right, I, I, whatever happened 20 years ago happened 20 years ago. And now all of a sudden I'm going to get taken out by this virus. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it Yeah, it was, it was concerning. Dr. Milley, did you
1: see a more significant impact on, on um, first responders? Um,
2: I, I mean,
0: some folks have died from COVID in the, in the programs. Um, I, I, a handful of folks um, passed away within, within the Queens program and program-wide. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but we certainly have had some deaths. I think one thing is that um, folks were so tuned into the fact that they had an increased risk that... Um, they were pretty good at protecting themselves and you know we were trying to advocate to get them bumped up on the vaccine list when they could get it but um really trying to make sure that folks you know practiced the proper hygiene and and wearing masks and doing everything they could or staying home as much as they could unfortunately you know it's it's hard to isolate like we we had to but just we felt it was so important for people to understand and in fact, our whole program went um, to telehealth for, for much longer than most of the other programs in the health system, because we just didn't want to increase the chances of anyone having to travel or, or um, potentially um, put themselves at risk by coming in. So we, we did all our visits for a while um, by telehealth, telemedicine. Um, so, you know, it, it is frightening. And, and I hope that. Um, for anyone who was in the World Trade Center programs that they get vaccinated and they wear masks. And, and even now that they wear a mask, um, because we know that the folks who are at greatest risk of the breakthrough are, are people with underlying health conditions. So, uh, you know, we really urge our World Trade Center folks to stay masked.
1: Well, I really appreciate everybody being here. We always like to end on a positive note here at 20 Minute Health Talk, so I could just go around the room and just, I'll start with you, Eddie. What gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward 20 years later?
3: Well, obviously, the uh, WTC program does give us, me and everyone else who's involved, hope uh, medically and mentally. Uh, I think also... uh, uh, We've come a long way. A lot of lessons learned, and I think if we keep doing what we're doing, uh, I think we'll be okay. I think we're going to be okay. We just keep have to keep supporting each other, and um, making the services available to the people who need it.
2: Yeah, the uh, I agree. the uh, The program uh, for me has given me years and and hopefully will continue to give me personally a being selfish years but also everybody that's involved in it years years more than they had may, may have had uh and also um the 20th anniversary and the fact that people are making a big deal of the 20th anniversary um is important to all of us whether it's you know the first responders or the civilians that were there that day it's just not about the first responders that it's never forgotten and and people remember and it's important to remember and not to let something like this happen again. Dr. Malin.
0: You know, I, I think what gives me hope is that we were able to fight and advocate and get this program established and we know that it's going to outlive all of us because it's for 75 years and, um, and that we can still, um, try to make everyone's lives a little bit better. And, and that's that's our goal every day to give people hope, to give people great care um, and to give them time to walk, walk their kids down the aisle or see that first grandchild or see the first graduation or, or whatever, whatever, frankly, is their goal in life. But hopefully we'll be able to provide the care and um, to, so that they can achieve their goals.
1: Dr. Moline, thank you so much. Scott Strauss, thank you so much. Eddie Reyes, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for you, thank you for tuning in and listening. I'm Rob Hoyle. Have a great day. Get more expert insight
2: from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.